when I rang this psychologist's office, the receptionist said to me, look, it's another month before we can get you in. It sounds like you need help sooner. It sounds like you're under quite a bit of stress and pressure. She said, who's got your back? And I just burst into tears and I said, nobody. I said, I'm holding up this entire house of cards and I'm crumbling. Hey there, my name is Kim and this is my podcast, Power Up Your Performance. I believe that we have the power to rewrite our stories, change the trajectory of our lives, pour love into the world, conquer monumental challenges, and that movement can be a catalyst for change. Let's grow together. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek, and I'm so glad you're here with me. Now, before we get into today's topic, I have a question for you. How are your New Year's resolutions going? I know for me, it feels like January 1st was a lifetime ago. I had a very busy January. I was fortunate to have some amazing travel, but I feel like I'm a little off track on my goals already. So I thought it was a good time to check in with myself and figure out what I need to do to be more consistent. Now, before I left on my last trip, I did get into my calendar and schedule multiple workouts. I scheduled two weeks worth of workouts to make sure that I got a solid start back. I had decided already that February was going to be a month where I really focused on getting consistent with my workouts. And that is important to me because I have embarked on a huge challenge for 2023. I signed up for a 340-mile kayak race across the state of Missouri. It's called the MR340. And I will be doing a tandem kayak with a friend. And so I also have to get in shape because not only do I want to finish this race, I don't want to let my friend down because I was the weak link. And so I feel like I have a lot of cardiovascular catch-up to do and just general conditioning that can be done Probably won't be able to put boats in the lake until April or maybe early May even because as a novice rower, it's just generally not safe to be jumping in a lake with a brand new kayak because we could tip over and our water is just not warm enough. So we are going to develop some strength and conditioning before we're able to get in the water so that we have a strong start and we're not constantly aching from water workouts once we get going. And I'm sure that I know everybody who's more experienced than me will laugh at one, that the fact that we are going to do this race as beginners and two, that I think I'm not going to be in pain. And the thing is, this is a goal I've set and I'm going to have fun. It's going to push me and I'm going to make the best of it. And whatever happens, happens. But I'm really, really excited about this. So back to the point, and that is, Before I left, I scheduled those two weeks of workouts, and that's really important because it got me back on track. I scheduled those workouts just like meetings in my calendar. I determined where those workouts would go each day, and it might seem like such a simple thing, but mentally, I saw it on my calendar every day, and so it helped me be consistent, but I also wasn't able to get into that negative self-talk about, oh, I'm not doing my part, oh, I'm the weak link oh, I'm in such bad shape because I'm not working out. I can look at my calendar and I know that I have workouts scheduled and so I can remember that I am doing the work. And so that's the tip. Write it down. That is the whole tip. Write it down, schedule it, 
We all need movement in our lives. And if you're sitting at a desk all day, it's even more important to make movement part of your lifestyle. So whatever it takes, move more this week. That is my wish, my hope for you. Today, we have a very special guest, the incredible Amanda Kate, the author of Divine Messy Human, a spiritual guide to prioritizing internal truth over external influence. She's a kinesiologist, archetypal life coach, and more. Amanda Kate works with clients to unlock the true potential, understand their passion and purpose, and discover their own spiritual truth to be expressed in the world. Get ready for a powerful discussion as we dive into uncovering your unique intuitive gifts and find out more about how we can live a positive life of abundance through our own inner wisdom. I hope you enjoy this interview with Amanda Kate. Hello, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, hi, Kim. I'm super excited to chat to you as well. So I want to know, give us the backstory. How did you get started helping people find new ways to achieve that happy, positive life? I think the same way most people who go into this kind of field do by going through my own traumatic <laughs> nightmare <laughs> of events. Right. And so, so I ended up quite sick with chronic fatigue and the beginning of a couple of other autoimmune diseases. I was in a toxic marriage, all the things, um, you name it, it was happening. And so my body was breaking down and emotionally, mentally, literally on every level, I felt like I was just decaying and crumbling and struggling. And it got to a point where I felt like an absolute empty shell of a human being. I could barely speak to anybody else. I couldn't interact with anyone. And I ended up um, basically going and getting a mental health care plan over here, which is where you can get a certain number of subsidized visits to the psychologist. So I think it saves you about 50 bucks a session or something. It's not a huge amount, but it's still helpful. Um, got the mental health care plan and booked in to see a psychologist that I knew worked in a bit of a mindfulness way because I knew that if I didn't fix myself, that my marriage wasn't going to survive and that I knew that it was my fault what was going on and that I needed to be the one to do the work because as he was, he used to say to me, there was nothing wrong with him. It, I was the problem, um, which people can hear some little sounds of um, perhaps superiority in there. <laughs> and so when I rang this psychologist's office, the receptionist said to me, look, it's another month before we can get you in. It sounds like you need help sooner. It sounds like you're under quite a bit of stress and pressure. She said, who's got your back? And I just burst into tears and I said, nobody. I said, I'm holding up this entire house of cards and I'm crumbling. And she said, look, how about I book you in with our kinesiologist? And I said, I've got no idea what it is, but I'm willing to try anything. And that first session changed my life. She said, you have no idea how emotionally abused you are, do you? And a number of relationships kind of clicked into place and I went, oh, that makes sense. And then it took four months for me to recognize my biggest emotional abuser and another four months to get out. Um, and six months after that very first session, I was sitting in the classroom to learn how to become a kinesiologist because it just changed my life. It changed, even though I was still in the marriage, I was noticing why I was behaving the way I was. It was releasing the stress and tension from my body. I was feeling like when he wasn't around, I was starting to 
feel old parts of myself reigniting and reconnecting to bits of myself that I'd forgotten were even in there. And so it was a beautiful journey even before then. But the tipping point really came at the beginning of 2016. Um, so I'd been on this path already quite significantly for almost a year and both my psychologist and my kinesiologist in the same week, within a couple of days of each other, said to me, I think you need to look up narcissistic personality disorder. And I said, okay. And so I went home and I felt like the I just felt like my the bottom of my gut fell out almost. It was just this, oh, that's what I'm dealing with. And and literally the night after I got the second one, I said, we're done. So, and that again, freed me up to change my life. And the more I've learned in this, the more I know that I don't know and the more I want to know because I find human behavior and the mind-body-spirit connection just so fascinating. And there's just so much to learn in how we are all inextricably linked. So it's kind of been a big journey from there, just learning as much as I can and bringing what I learn into my client sessions. So for those who haven't heard of kinesiology, yep. can you explain a little bit about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So we combine Eastern wisdom with Western science. So we use the Chakranadi system. We use a lot of traditional Chinese medicine. So the acupressure points, the meridian systems, and we also use, you know, more Western, um, you know, the sciencey stuff. We look at how the systems of the body are talking to each other, how the organs are working, what's going on under the surface of the body and looking at the way the muscles work so that we can test through the muscles what the electrical signals in the body are doing. And so we use manual muscle testing to access the subconscious brain and everything that is going wrong in our body is down to one of three types of stress. It's either physical stress, chemical stress or emotional stress. And you can put everything that goes wrong into one of those or a couple of those potentially, that things aren't physically working the way they need to. Either the wrong chemicals are going there or they don't have enough of the right chemicals. And that doesn't mean the chemicals we ingest, that is the chemicals we're getting from food, uh, the nutrients we're getting, um, and the not-so-nutrients we're getting from a lot of our foods as well. And then the emotional stresses that occur. And through my own healing, I realized that 90 plus percent of my healing was actually to do with the emotional stresses that I had been suppressing and repressing and ignoring and denying and too shamed and embarrassed to admit. And so we look at rather than the symptoms that you're presenting with, we want to know what's causing those symptoms. You know, using inflammation, for example, mm -hmm. inflammation is like your body wrapping a part of your body in bubble wrap. It's bringing a bit of extra liquid to the area to protect that area. So we don't want to give you an anti-inflammatory to say, let's get rid of the inflammation. It's why have you got that inflammation in the first place? Why does your body feel the need to protect that part of yourself? And so we go then into the metaphysics, so beyond the physical of what those parts of the body mean, what emotions are trapped there, when that emotional pattern first started, and then we change that vibrational frequency that's coming through the body. Okay, so for a lot of my audience, 
Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say like my only exposure to kinesiology yeah. is yes. going to my chiropractor and having KT tape put on my leg because yeah. like maybe my IT band is tight before I go do a yeah. half marathon. And I would imagine that a lot of my audience is similar. Like that's yeah. where they know that word from. Yes. So explain, I guess, just more in depth. So mm. how do you get from that place to your body holding on to these emotions and all of these problems in your body. Because kinesiology is about movement. And so when you learn kinesiology in the physical therapy or in the occupational therapy or in one of the therapy fields, Mm -hmm. it very much is about how are your muscles moving. Full stop. In energetic kinesiology, we know that the entire body is an electromagnetic system. So everything is creating electricity. And that's why we have an auric field, because everything that has electricity going through it has an electrical field. That's our electrical field. But in our life and the way that we suppress or repress or ignore different things that are going on, we push that down. And that creates a disturbance in the field, a little blockage. And so then if you imagine that energy system as, say, a river system, And all of a sudden you've got these beaver dams all up and down the river. That's either going to create new offshoots where there shouldn't be offshoots or it's going to create flooding if we get too much rain or we're going to break our banks at certain points or it's going to stop flowing down certain smaller bits of the river. And that's what's happening in our body with our energy flow. And that's where a lot of the stress and physical manifestation of what's going on comes in because of either maybe one of those big blockages is a massive chemical buildup, or maybe it's not having the right nutrients to be able to absorb what's coming in, or potentially it's physical stress, a trauma, you know, a trauma. Traumas are anything that's less than nourishing and nurturing to your body. So banging your funny bone on the table is a trauma. It doesn't feel very nice. It doesn't feel very nourishing. Now, most of the time we won't store that as trauma in the body because we go, ouch, that hurt. (laughs) Right. And we move on. But if it's something a bit more significant, twisting an ankle or, you know, pulling a muscle, then that is actually a trauma that we're holding on to. So why are we holding on to it? Because we don't hold on to all of the traumas. And I can tell you that for a fact because I used to stub my toe all the time as a child and they always went away. You know, they never hung around for a long time. And, you know, there are certain things that we can do sometimes, you know, as we know when we're running or whatever, sometimes we can feel a bit of a pull and we can, you know, do a bit of a stretch and, oh, that's released it. Cool, not a problem. We're not holding on to that. But when we're holding on to it, there is always something more at play, always. So how and that's the okay. bit we want to unlock. Yeah. So how did you, so you go to see this person, mm-hmm. kinesiologist, and yeah. what was the process? Like, what did they do to you so that they could start figuring out ways to help you heal? Yeah. So what we do is we obviously sit down and have a chat at the beginning about what's going on. And we want to look at what you're wanting to achieve. Because there's something standing in the way of you actually achieving that. And so we want to clear those blocks that are standing in the way of you achieving it. So we effectively kind of set a goal or set a direction that we're moving in. And then when you're on the table, we use manual muscle testing. So we will use different muscles in the body and put light pressure on the um, 
I guess, the lever, so to speak. Now, if there's no stress, that electrical current runs through there and that muscle, no matter how much pressure we put on it, will not move. But as soon as we start thinking of something stressful, that electrical signal stops going through as congruently and so it creates a disturbance which makes the lever move. And so we do it on lots of different muscles. We can test lots, basically any of the muscles that we can access from the external you know, part. For those that we can't access, we can actually do what we call surrogating muscles, which means that we can ask another muscle to be that muscle for a little time so that we can test it. And what we're looking for is we're looking for the way the energy is flowing through that part of the body. So then we can work out what emotional stress is stuck there. Again, because the muscle is either holding firm or it's not. And then we can work out what vibrations we need to put in there to even out that electrical signal. So then and sometimes it's bringing it into the conscious mind. So then while your hands are on their body and you're mm-hmm. doing all this muscle testing, are you talking about certain aspects yeah. of their life? Because that's how you know if mm-hmm. the body is, their muscle is reacting differently. Often I will get them to say statements. So it might okay. be, you know, you might, I might ask you, or I may even ask you what's going on, what happened for you at the age of six, because your body's told me that six is in, an important age. And your body will go, oh, we moved house. Okay, so how was that traumatic for you? What was going on for you at that time? How did that make you feel? Sometimes it goes back to when you're a baby. So I just say, what's the first thing that pops into your head when I ask you this question? Because your subconscious knows all of the things that have happened. It's just that we don't keep all of that in the conscious mind. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed. And when you think about the subconscious, people think it's between the ears. It's in the brain. Our subconscious is in every cell and every energetic bit of our body. Okay. It's not just in that. If you start the positive mindset and you start doing gratitude and journaling, like they say that there's so many days in your cells and everything completely regenerate Mm -hmm. and you're essentially a new you. You Yeah. I know that's not if you're carrying, but yeah. But if you're carrying the grocery, you know, if you imagine. I used to give this example to people. If you imagine you're trying to help an old lady across the road to the groceries, so you take her bags, but then you don't give them back to her. And at the next one, you, you know, pick up another few bags and start carrying them for somebody else. The amount of baggage we collect in our life, it's the same kind of thing. Energetically, it's still there. We're collecting it all up, but we're forgetting to put it down. We're not dealing with it. We're, you know, it's, I don't know if you've have children, but reading the cat in the hat book where he just sweeps everything under the carpet and he's, you know, (laughs) on this massive pile of stuff under the carpet. And then it all comes crashing down. That's kind of a really good analogy for where we're at and what we're doing is we just sweep it under the car, under the carpet. We're told to get over it, to move on, to soldier forward, to pull up your bootstraps, to get thicker skin, to not be so sensitive. And So we hide a lot of those things. Now, just because our cells are changing physically doesn't mean that we're letting go of that emotional resonance that is stuck there. And we are carrying that emotional resonance of all of this suppressed trauma that we've been told to deny or that we've not allowed ourselves to express. 
And that is what's creating a lot of the blockages, a lot of the physical manifestation of dis-ease within the body. Are you looking to build a business and live life on your own terms? Look no further than the Digital Dreamer podcast. Join my daughter, Abby, and I as we discuss side hustles, building your brand, digital strategies for connecting with your audience, and selling digital products, and so much more. Get the link in the show notes or search the Digital Dreamer podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to take control of your future. And so how does somebody in your position, in your role, Mm -hmm. once you've identified what these triggers are or what Mm -hmm. the trauma is, how do you take it to that next level and help somebody begin that process of addressing these issues? A lot of the time it's about bringing the subconscious memories through the conscious mind. Because when you do that, you're starting to link, oh, my God, that's why I do that behavior. Now, that doesn't mean that you go out and you're cured. And this is the thing. People come and they go, I've been working on this issue for 20 years. You've got an hour to fix it. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) oh, honey, nice one. Um, But a lot of people expect that. Now, it takes time because what we're doing is we're effectively reprogramming the nervous system. We're working out why you feel unsafe and what your unresourceful behaviors are that your body thinks keeps you safe because that's where all of our unresourceful behaviors come from. And our physical manifestations of disease is because our body is trying to keep us safe so that we can live to the next day. That's it. So the more that we can understand, okay, so this is how my body is trying to keep me safe. But that started when I was two. How much, how many tools did I have at two? How much conscious realization did I have at two? And was I consciously choosing that reaction? Most people go, well, no, because I was two. Okay, but you're bringing those two-year-old behaviours and expectations and stories into, you know, I'll use my age as an example, into your 44-year-old womanhood. Perhaps there's a better way to deal with this. And so we're not just changing the vibration but because if we just took out that stress, so to speak, you'd have a bit of an energetic gap. So we want to refill it. Okay, so what's my new story? When I see these situations appearing, what could I do instead? How could I handle this? What kind of self-care could I put in or what kind of behavioral change could I put in that might bring me a different result? And so it's looking at that reprogramming aspect. We don't just wipe our hard drive. We need to refill it with where we want to be going and how we can then support our future growth and our future movement by being able to feel like we can more safely step into the unknown. I like that. Mm. Now, another thing you talk about is how we can uncover our unique intuitive gifts. Yes. How, how does this relate to kinesiology and how can we do this? Everybody wants to know what they're what there's meant to do, right? Well, our body has an innate healing capacity. So our body knows what it actually needs to do to heal, but we shout over it because let's face it, the external world is shinier, nicer, more fun, more distracting. When we spend that time in contemplation, meditation, whatever you want to call it, it is quieter, but that's when we can hear our body speak to us because our body doesn't speak in those loud, (laughs) clear noises. It gives us signs. It gives us signals. It gives us symptoms. It will, you know, 
send us pain to a part of the body so that we protect it a little bit more because we're carrying stress there and it doesn't want to be more stressed. It wants to be less stressed. So it will send pain, for example, as an over-energy. And you know what happens, say, when we get a cold? What do we do? We rest. We look after ourselves. People who get regular colds, guess what they're doing? I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to keep fighting. I'm just going to. I have a client who gets severe migraines, debilitating. And she knows it's because her body is telling her to slow down. But she doesn't slow down until she gets the migraine and then she has to stop for literally two days. And then she keeps going and then she goes back into workaholic mode. And that's what we're working on is that pattern where she can put that self-care in through the days because when she does that, she doesn't get her migraines as often as she does. But that is literally the only way her body has realised that she will stop is by screaming at her through that kind of pain. So it's really understanding what your body is telling you. But we have a number of intuitive senses. We can call them psychic senses. We can call them, you know, intuitive senses. We could probably call them vibes if you wanted to you know, take it out of that woo-woo language. But we have clear cognizance, which is clear knowing. And that's where we just get these things almost posted through a mail slot in the middle of our head and we're like, oh, my God, how do I know that? But that's my main one and it used to annoy me because I was like, how do I just know this stuff? Hmm. (laughs) But it's that. There's clairvoyance, which is clear seeing. People think that clairvoyance is just seeing, you know, spirits and dead people and entities and all of this, but clear seeing is about seeing number repetitions or your eyes being drawn to, I don't know, bees or dragonflies or something, and you're like, oh, my God, I haven't seen those for ages. And then, you know, if you want to take that further, you can then go and look up the metaphysical meaning of bees or dragonflies and you'll start getting, oh, that's why they're shown to me. Got it. Um, You know, whenever I see dolphins at the beach, which is, you know, they tend to come only when the water's clear. So we've only seen them, I've only seen them once in the last few months. But when I do see them, I'm reminded of that community, of that working together. Of, And so it's like, oh, that's that message. We get clear audience, which is clear hearing. So that's where we might turn on the radio and you get a certain snippet of a song or you might hear a little voice in the back of your head going, you've got to tune in now. Or you might get a bit of a buzzing or ringing in your ears. That kind of tuning in also is your clear audience. Clear sentience is clear feeling. So that's where we feel, you know, nobody has, I don't think, has ever walked into a room with a really angry person and not realised that the person's angry. Now, (laughs) there Mm. might be obviously the body language, but often we can feel that anger peeling off them almost. And so that's that clairsentience, the clear feeling. And then we have clairgustance and clairsalience, which is clear smell and clear taste. Or Clear clear smell is the clairsalience, clear taste is the clairgustance. And so we might get, you know, for me, my example is the, the smell of coffee, but not just, you know, instant coffee, the freshly ground coffee beans always reminds me of my grandmother. And so I know she's there whenever I get that smell. And so there's, there's those kind of senses that we all can read for our intuitive senses, but we have one potentially more that are our strongest, that are the ones that we rely on. And the more we have or the more we can develop all of them if we do the right training. And so it's really 
rather than using all those fancy words, I just get people to notice which way they tend to get more of the input when their body is trying to tell them something. And so in those slowing down moments, it's practicing slowing down. It's practicing, you know, when you've got your morning coffee or whatever it is that you drink, you smell it and taste it. You don't put in a takeaway cup and race around with it and not enjoy it. Take that five minutes, slow down, feel into your body. How does it feel in this moment? Take a, you know, five minute break from your work and put your face in the sun or get some fresh air or take your socks and shoes off and stand on the grass just for a few moments Putting those little bits through the day help us to slow down, tune out the external noise and feel into our body. Okay, what's my energy doing today? How do I feel today? What feelings have I got going on in my body? What are they? What do I think they're trying to tell me? You know, yesterday morning I woke up. I actually didn't have any podcast interviews yesterday morning, but I went, I actually don't want to get up and do yoga. You know, it's, it was five o'clock in the morning. I have usually I'll do five to six yoga and then go for my beach walk with the dog. And I was going, I just need that extra half hour in bed. I'm tired. So I did still do my beach walk, which is my non-negotiable, but the yoga, I'm like, I'll do it today. It's fine. I don't need to do it yesterday. I'm doing enough. And my body is saying rest. And so I, I did the rest part because <laughs> I listened so yeah. So how do you know if you're listening to your intuition or you're just being impulsive? Mm, there is a very different. It's also how do you know it's intuition or fear? Because okay. if you think about when people talk about mother's intuition, mm-hmm. some mums are in the panic fear bit and some is intuition. It comes with practice. It honestly all comes with practice. And realistically, if you're going you know, I want to feel into my intuition and I'm thinking into my intuition, there is a different energy behind it. And the more you practice it with it, the more you know. So for me, for example, my clairaudience comes in behind my right ear. My thinking voice sounds like it's coming sort of more from the front of my head or from a different area of my head. But my intuitive voice is always down here. And even if I try and push my thinking voice into that part of my brain to try and trick myself, (laughs) I know I'm doing it. And so if you go, oh, I need a rest today, your body will say to you, you don't need a rest. That's all you do or whatever it is, you know, or you don't need a rest. You're just being lazy. That's a really poor term. I don't like the term lazy because sometimes we want to choose that. We want to choose to do nothing and just be. But whatever that voice is, you do actually know the truth of it. Whether you want to listen to it or not, whether you want to believe it or not, you do know the truth of it. If you go to a food court and you ask your body what it wants, it's not your body that ever wants something like a McDonald's or, and that's not to, sorry, McDonald's, but it's never your body that's saying, I want that. That's your brain telling you you want it because you want that hit of chemicals that that gives you your body will want what is most nourishing and nurturing for it where it can use the nutrients where it can actually absorb what it needs to work in its highest possible capacity which is usually real food and that's what it wants but we tell ourselves our body wants something different 
because that's that feels like a treat or it feels like, you know, that reward that we used to get when we were kids if we'd done something good or whatever it is, we'll have a story around why we want that other thing. So for and like not- if you feel like you have to have McDonald's fries every time you go out, that could be related more to a childhood memory or a, a story that you tell yourself mm-hmm. around the fries, yep. not that your body is saying, oh, I need fries today. Yeah, absolutely. Or potentially it might need a tiny bit of it. It might need it might need some salt. But again, there's a difference in salt. <laughs> Iodized table salt is not great for you. But when you've got the full mineral salt, then your body naturally wants that. Or it might be that your body's craving some, I don't know, red meat. But what is it actually going to be wanting? Is it going to be wanting the meat from a, a McDonald's patty? Or is it going to be craving a good quality steak, for example, that it can actually use the nutrients from. So there might be something in it that your body's wanting. And that's where cravings are quite interesting. You know, if you're craving chocolate, potentially your body is actually wanting that quick hit of energy. Well, why is your body needing that quick hit of energy? What are you not doing that is keeping your energy consistent? Is it the late nights and then you wake yourself up with the coffee and you put yourself to sleep with your wine and, you know, you're stressed through the day and your body's eating through nutrients and so it's needing a quick hit of something? Or is it that you're fueling your body well and your body's, you know, because I know for me when I'm fueling my body well, when I'm well rested, my body doesn't crave any of that stuff. It's quite happy. It's when I am emotionally deficit or physically deficit or mentally deficit that I then start to crave that kind of stuff. What kind of tips do you have for people that would help them live a more joyful, abundant life? I think we are so often trained to look for the negativity and our reticular activating system in our brain naturally raises importance of things because it's got to filter out so much stuff of the input that we're having bombard us all the time. So it really is filtering through. Often we're trained to look for that negative. We want to look for the backup of why we're not good enough or why we're not worthy or why we're an imposter or why we're doing this. It's training to training yourself to look for the beauty. Every day I'm at the beach, even if, I mean, I had three days in a row a couple of weeks ago. One day it was 36 degrees. It was sweltering hot. I was literally covered in sweat by the time I got off the beach. It was super uncomfortable. Beautiful day, don't get me wrong. But I was, you know, covered in sweat. The next day I may as well have swum back. I was so wet because the rain was coming in literally directly into my eyes at 90 degree from the beach. And then the next day was really windy. But every day there I was able to find some beauty in it. In some ways I was just laughing about the fact that the weather was completely and utterly all over the place. But I was still able to see the beauty in it. And it's because I was looking for the beauty in it. I could have very easily looked for the horrible in in all three of those days in so many ways. You know, the wind makes it really challenging when you're walking on soft you know, soft sand. It's like a full leg workout and butt workout. <laughs> and it can be really hard to make it seven and a half K in soft sand when you've got the wind working against you. Likewise, when you've got pouring rain. But in each of them, I was going, you know what? I wouldn't be anywhere else. The waves were different each day. The dog was different each day. The energy was different each day. And so by tapping into that part of it, 
rather than the pain and the discomfort, it just, it just makes it so much of a different, and we can always find beauty in something Mm -hmm. if we look. So training ourselves to do that changes our life because all of a sudden we're raising the importance of looking for beauty, therefore be more beauty. It's, a, it's incredible the way we can rewire our brain with just a tiny bit of effort. Is there anything that you want to leave our audience with that I have not asked you yet? I would just say that they you always know the answers. You always know the answers to your questions. Now, what happens is we often try and talk ourselves out of it or we try and survey monkey everyone around us to get everybody else's opinions on it, but we always know the answer. And often the tough questions we ask ourselves, the am I in the right relationship, is this job right for me, we already know when we ask that question that we're asking that question because it's not and it's our fear keeping us stuck. And I know my life would have been a million times different because I always had the intuition. I could hear it, but I didn't listen to it because I did not trust myself and therefore I didn't act on it. But by learning to trust myself, I was able then to trust my intuition and that gave me the courage to act on it because I realised that my intuition has actually never steered me wrong. It's been my overthinking that has steered me wrong. And you have a book, right? I do. Tell us about your book. (laughs) It's called Divine Messy Human, A Spiritual Guide to Prioritizing Internal Truth Over External Influence. And it really is, you know, that pretty much sums up the book. Those three words are, are us. We are divine. We are connected to the divine. We are part of the divine. We are part of the all that is, the collective conscious. And the more we can accept our divinity and tap into our divinity and believe in our divinity, as well as accepting and loving our messiness, because it isn't just all about love and light. We are going to have shadows. We are going to have tough times. We're going to have tumultuous days. We're going to have days where we don't want to get out of bed. If we can learn to love and accept that part of ourselves that is really human, then our human experience becomes better. Because we can, we can accept our fallibility, we can accept that messiness, and we can still know that we are part of the divine and it all mixes together. But if we're denying our divinity, if we are refusing to admit to our messiness and we're fighting against it and suppressing it, then our human existence is so much more tough because we have more physical illness, mental illness, spiritual illness. And, and that's what the book really talks about is how we can tap into those aspects and learn to love our messiness more. Sounds like a fantastic book. <laughs> and then where can people find you? How can they yes. connect? amandakate.com.au and all my social links are there. I actually finally fixed my website to update all of my social links. So Very I can nice. honestly say they are all there now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it has been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for being awesome. here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the work you're bringing into the world as well. So thank you. Thank you for joining me for season four of Power Up Your Performance. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, and follow. Dream big and get out there and explore.
you're looking for gifts that express how you feel, or a gift that makes somebody smile, look no further than Expressions by Iris. Our Etsy store has something for everyone, from St. Patrick's Day to Mardi Gras, from teachers to nurses and theater families, there's something for everyone. And with our constantly growing selection, you can find the perfect item for any occasion. Show them how much you care with Expressions by Iris. Find us on Instagram and get the direct link in the show notes. 